five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Gags, Lido, one for the road. Uh, young Jeff Porcaro just tearing up the drums in that uh, in that track. I'd never seen that video before. It's the first time I've ever played it. And uh, Boss Gags, a uh, kind of underrated musical icon. The guy just pumped out a ton of hits from uh, the 80s and 90s. We talked a little bit about his career, how he started off in Chicago with uh, Steve Miller. I think he was one of the original members of the Steve Miller band. And then he and Steve Miller went their separate ways, but both equally successful uh, in their own right with their various approaches to rock music. And I think Steve Miller kind of stayed in the more of the rock vein uh, and Skaggs drifting off into kind of like neo disco and, and the yacht sound, but being very successful with it, able to uh, kind of morph with the times. Anyway, welcome to the show here. It's 15 Minutes of Flame. I'm Robert Phoenix. If you're listening on the podcast side of things welcome you can always join us here at 15 minutes of flame that's ov flame.com 9 11 tuesday wednesday thursday over on the 15 minutes of flame website so uh how is everybody this morning it's another another day in the weird world where the fifth largest economy in the country or in the world in the world, not the country, the fifth largest economy in the world is uh, now having rolling brownouts and blackouts to manage the power grid where California is suffering under uh, an immense heat wave. Imagine that. And yet they brag about how, how much money the state has and how dynamic it is and you know, how much it produces in terms of its own variant of the GDP, and yet they can't manage their power grid. Isn't it a bit ironic? It's okay. Texas is number two in the country, and uh, we weren't very good a couple of years ago either. So I'm not I'm not solely uh, casting aspersions or placing uh, blame on the bureaucrats of California, but Texas doesn't go running around saying, Hey, we're the 11th largest economy in the world. I don't know if it is or not. I'm just taking a guess. Uh, but California 
clearly does and takes great pride in that. So if you are listening to California in California, uh, my heart goes out to you because you are under the thumb of one of the great uh, tyrants of our time. And there are plenty of tyrants. There's, there's plenty of uh, finger pointing and tyrannical blame to go around. Gavin Newsom just instituted a restaurant tax. That's right, a restaurant tax. So now if you go out to eat, you're going to be paying more money for your restaurant food. Isn't that interesting? And I think they've upped the minimum wage to $22 an hour. This is all going to just crush small businesses. It's going to crush it. You know, I, I uh, had a girlfriend who ran a couple of cafes in San Francisco and the amount of paperwork and uh, red tape that she had to go through in order to run her business was in San Francisco was, I couldn't do it. I would walk away from it. Uh, that's why I don't do it. If I, if I had any interest in running a cafe, I probably would do it. Um, but she could do it. And she would tell me that there were basically two sets of rules, especially when it came to taxes for Starbucks, who would be her competitor because she had a coffee cafe and um, sandwiches. And, uh, and they just had two sets of rules, two sets of rules, two sets of books. I mean, this is the story of, of um, our modern time in terms of rules for thee, but not for me, right? So they make it really difficult for, and the, the corporations are all in on it. They're all for it. Like, yeah, get the fuck out of here. We don't need your little competition, you, you pissant, right? So who's going to be able to afford paying people $22 an hour to wait tables or do dishes or whatever. I don't know how that extends out to the, the minimum wage in, in restaurants because in the restaurant business, I used to be a waiter a long time ago. When I first started out as a waiter, it was very cool because you got a wage, you got a, you got a minimum wage. I think it was making at that time, $4 an hour, which wasn't much for 50 an hour, but then you got tips on top of it. So you got a paycheck and you got tips. And then my, my grandfather, uh, was an accountant on the side, a bookkeeper on the side. So he would help me out with my taxes and figured out how to do certain things, right? It was, I always got a refund. Um, but, but then they changed it. Reagan fucked a lot of shit up. I had, a, I had a conversation a little bit the other day, I think it was yesterday on Twitter, naming the worst presidents of all time. And I think I... Here, here's my worst presidents of all time. I would put Johnson like number one because Johnson created the New Deal. I'm sorry, the Great Society. I always get it mixed up. He's trying to be Roosevelt. The Great Society, the war on poverty. He let the Vietnam War go on for way too long for an anti-war theoretical Democrat. Johnson ruined the country. He absolutely ruined it. He he helped destroy, single-handedly destroy the black family. 
from instituting welfare policies to having a draft where a lot of young black males who would be fathers got shipped off to Vietnam. They either died, came back nuts, or became drug dealers. Then they started bringing all the heroin from Vietnam into the the major cities, Chicago, New York, and they just became they, they became hell holes. That was Johnson. He took the he took the kerosene, he doused the country with it, and he lit the match. And there are some people who believe that Johnson was instrumental in the killing of Kennedy. Some people don't believe that Kennedy died. You call me old school. I think he died. Okay. And I think Johnson was involved in others. So Johnson's right at the top. And after that, it's a, it's a, it's a scramble uh, to fill in behind him. But I'd probably put Obama behind Johnson only because Obama created the divisive, he helped create the divisive element that's in this country today. And it all started with Trayvon Martin and Michael Brown and Freddie Gray. I looked at their astrological charts and you got a T-square with the three of them, Trayvon Martin, Aquarius, Michael Brown, uh, Taurus, and um, Freddie Gray, the Leo. The only one that's missing is a Scorpio for a Grand Cross. But those three, you know, kind of set it off. And Obama never, ever once came out and said, I'm not going to stand for this violence or I'm not going to stand for this intimidation. We, you know, we agree that you have the right to freely assemble. But, you know, we're a nation of many people, and many colors, and, uh, and, you know, we're united. We're united. And if you have a grievance, we'll listen to your grievance. But he didn't do that because he was behind Black Lives Matter. They were all running it, right? It was their Solinsky psyop. And um, D. Ray McCaslin had gone to the White House numerous times. Bill Ayers was in on it, right? Obama was terrible. We're living in the Obama nation right now. Just terrible. So Johnson, Obama, probably Clinton, pretty close there. Although at that point, you're also looking at... Uh, Woodrow Wilson, right? Woodrow Wilson was really bad. <laughs> and I talked about this before. Wilson was basically extorted because he was having an affair. And the woman he was having an affair with wasn't even that attractive. I mean, listen, I call me old school. And I've seen pictures of Wilson's wife. And, yeah, you know, uh, it's... It's the teens, maybe, maybe the, you know, the the uh, the hallmarks for for beauty and marriage and peerage were different then, and I'm sure they were. People married into families, they married into money, they kind of looked the other way, especially if the other person uh, closely resembled a man. But so maybe maybe the woman he was having this affair with was a complete ten compared to his wife. Beauty isn't everything. I mean. I mean, look at uh, Charles and Camila. I mean, Camila always looked like a washed-out wine bag um, compared to Diana, who, again, I'm going on the fact that Diana was Diana, and Diana died in the tunnel, okay? Diana wasn't George Michael. 
wasn't Elton John's boyfriend. I'm playing it straight here. Carter was terrible. Carter was a terrible president. Terrible. Four years of pain. Pain with Carter. He was an er Timmy was an earnest man. He was an earnest man. He was a good man from Georgia. You know, it's interesting that Gerald fucking Ford beat Reagan out in the in the 1976 primaries. Can you believe that? And I and look, I, I'm not a huge Reagan person either. Another shitty president, honestly. I mean, I could I could go down the list of the things Reagan did. The most egregious thing he did was to take any kind of uh, responsibility or blame or accountability away from the, the uh, pharmaceutical companies when it came to vaccines. It's like, nope, you're untouchable. We're not going to, you know, it's business. We're going to let business be business and business do business. And the free market is going to assert itself. You don't want any of these pesky lawsuits for your vaccines that injure young people. Don't worry about it. Who cares? A few, you know, a few cases of autism, you know, it's a small sacrifice for the economy to churn along. Right. That was, that was Reagan. That was not good. And again, by the way, if you look at what happened, fucking John Hinckley shot Reagan a little over a month into his, into his tenure. Like, like I think around six weeks, six weeks. And they're, they're trying to take Reagan out. Maybe they did. He, there are people who believe he was not the same president, but then that's what happens. They, they campaign on a certain platform. And the next thing you know, they're, Going down, but Reagan will always be remembered as the guy that ended the Cold War. That will always be his his legacy. That and supply side ec economics, the trickle down theory, where the rich get really fucking rich at the top, and then the crumbs trickle down to the bottom. So even Reagan wasn't great, although his his legacy amongst conservatives, oh, it's untouchable. We have a, we've had some bad. Uh, Clinton was terrible. Clinton, terror. Like you, right at the top there, Johnson, Obama, Clinton, they're all fighting for the title of worst. And FDR is right there too, because you know we get into this whole massive big government thing with FDR. You know he's uh, Joe Stalin's bootlicker, a bad president, really and. The thing about FDR, you go back and look at uh, the headlines and stories in newspapers, which still exist, by the way, and people were convinced that FDR was a commie. I mean, it was like talked about a lot, and he didn't care. He would like thumb his nose at people, and he thought it was very funny, and he was going to do whatever the fuck he was going to do, right? Because... The country was in crisis, and when a country's in crisis, well, you can get away with a lot. Is that familiar? So we've had plenty, 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 plenty of bad presidents.
But I think Johnson's really right at, right at the top there. Um, how is everybody today? We're going to get into kind of another look at what's happening with Germany um, as the crisis, speaking of which, in England, I'm sorry, in Europe, England as well, I guess they have a, a new PM, Lynn Truss, who is another one of the uh, acolytes of Klaus Schwab and the WEF. And she's going to just, they're going to roll out the plan. They'll roll out the global plan with Liz. All right, let's get into, um, let's do a little shout out to our sponsor. And then we'll get into Chattaria and... Get on with the shoe. All right. Do a little screen share here and go to the ASMR. Meditative space of True Hemp Science and uh, True CBD. And I talk about this product every day. And there's a reason I talk about it because it works. Last night I had my gummy and I was able to hit the pillow, and within 20 minutes, I was lights out, and uh, and she managed to get about seven and a half hours worth of sleep, which for me is good. I'm usually six, and that's about it. doesn't matter when I go to bed. If I go to bed at midnight, I'm up at six. If I go to bed at 11, I'm up at five. If I go to bed at two, I'm up at eight. It's about six hours. Last night, an extra 90 minutes, and I'm sure my cells were happy. Uh, anyway, you can get the gummies. The gummies are so popular that Chris is working overtime to keep up with the demand for the gummies. Um, so you get the gummies through True Hemp Science and any number of other products for you and your pet. Um, and, I, and I think it was on the uh, Saturday night show, um, I, uh, I brought up some of the other products that he does have, like his fulvic acid, which is great. And by the way, if you compare the price of his fulvic acid to Mercola's fulvic acid, it's almost half. It's almost half, right, in terms of the price, price difference. So there's some real value there. And uh, if you have any questions about any of the products, of course, you can contact Chris or Nate or anybody over at uh, True Hemp Science. And uh, they'll be happy to walk you through uh, the various products and what they think will suit your needs the best. They're very generous with their time. If you spend $100, you get free product. Spend $150, free product and free shipping. Uh, if you're listening on the podcast side of things, just go to uh, truehemscience.com. Got the backslash ref, R-E-F, backslash 23. That's it. Type in one five mins. That's your discount code, your code for your free product, and you're good to go. And all you got to do is sit back and wait for the uh, postman to misdeliver your package. That's what happened to me yesterday. I got a call. And uh, apparently there was a package for me that was delivered to the wrong place. So behind me, Wait on the other side of Yachtville, there's these like 
they're not really barn dominiums, but they're they're ranch miniums, right? They're it's like it's like a gated community. People have like between five to ten acres, and they're kind of ranched up. Uh, so they have a mailbox there. Drive up, unlock your key, you know, put the key in, get your shit. Anyway, apparently I had a package that was sitting there. It's not close. To, I mean, it's relatively close to my mailbox, but it's it's not. And there now, what's confusing is that there's another person who lives back there who has the same last name as me. You know, my government name. Uh, so apparently, whoever delivered it thought it was them. And uh, so I got a got a phone call. So yeah, yeah, your package is out there. And I went out there. My package wasn't out there. So anyway, you hopefully that will not happen with your CBD. So trust the process here, right? Trust the process. It's all good. All good. All right, let's get into um, the absolute best without a shadow of a doubt chat group on the entire internets. And, uh, you know, I'm talking about, uh, I'm talking about Chataria. That's who I'm talking about. Let's see, who do we have here? Michael Pafford, what's going on, Empath? I guess Sony's here. Hi, Sony. My man, Ryan, what's going on, Ryan? Miss Nakia, Tomas, Anna Sophia, Anna Sophia. Let's see who else do we have. Um, one AI, Europe has fallen. It's not looking good. Not looking good. We're going to talk about today. Garrett Brooks, top of the morning to you. SP Dimples. Hello, SP. Let's see who else do we have. France here. Hi, Fran. Kelly B. Right on time, Kelly. 9-11. Look at you. Wendy says, what's happening, Wendy? Okay, who else do we have? We've got an all-star lineup here today. Queen Lisa's in the house. Uh, let's see. Maurice, 100. I have to admit, I really like this song when it came out. Lido Shuffle is great. That's a great tune that... I love the synth. Right? Who doesn't like the synth? It's got some fat, fat hooks in there. And Jeff Procaro on the drums. Like a lot of those guys, I think, that were playing with him were members of Toto. So Toto was kind of like Next Generation, Wrecking Crew, Steely Dan. The guys in total were all these studio musicians, Steve Lukather, Jeff Percaro, I think Jeff's brother. And Jeff's father was a member of the Wrecking Crew. If you don't know who the Wrecking Crew is, they were a group of studio musicians who were hired out to do all kinds of stuff. Like a lot of them played on the Monkees records. Um, I think they were, the Wrecking Crew was actually the band that was the Archies that did Sugar Sugar a song that was rejected by the monkeys, by the way. And Don Kirshner taught them a thing or two. All right. Who else do we have here? 
Kelly B left until the music is over. I'm still here, still making it. Uh, I don't have my headset on to hear it right now. The fat lady has not sung. Let's see. Shelby Foote is one of the best historians going on the Civil War. Hucklebuck 411, what's going on, Huck? Welcome aboard. Let's see. JJ, what's going on, JJ? JJ was on with Emily. Looking forward to seeing that show. I was trying to listen to the rest of David on Jimmy Church show, but I'm pausing it again. Ah, oh, thank you. David will be there when I'm done. Uh, let's see. Who else do we have? I love you, Kelly. I love you for that. That is awesome. Wish you could be at our event. Hey, Janine is here. What's going on, Janine? Good morning to you. Good to see you. Uh, scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. Scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. Let's see. Who else do we have? Da, 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 da. After Reagan was shot, I think Bush was in control. You're right. Of course, John Hinckley, a friend of the Bush family, Nobody ever found that to be rather suspicious. Like, really? Like he was Neil Bush's pal. His father was a business associate of the Bushes. Nobody ever found that to be the least bit troublesome. Just like nobody found it to be the least bit troublesome that when they started to have an issue with the election in 2000, uh, it was in Jeb Bush's state, Florida. Nobody ever found that just the least bit suspicious. My God. Well, the times, they have a change. I can tell you that. Uh, JMP's here. What's going on, Jackie? Good to see you. Obama just got an Emmy. Oh, God. I know I saw that. Like He did some voiceover for some documentary. Uh, let's see who else do we have here. Some days coffee just tastes better and hold on while I take my next sip. I had a good cup of coffee. Carter was terrible. He was terrible. He, he, and, and I mean, that was a total setup, right? I mean, you had Carter running against Gerald Ford. It's not even his real name. His real name is Leslie King. And Gerald Ford was a fucking dimwit. And Car and the, it was a total setup. You know, Carter was the outsider. People love the outsider. It's like the backup quarterback in football. Oh, yeah. Yeah, let's start the backup. He's the one. He's the one until the backup starts. It's like, eh, I don't know. Yeah. You know, he had a romantic fascination about the backup. Put the other guy back in. That, that's how the outsider candidates usually are. Bill Clinton was an outsider. He was an outsider. Another another man from the South. Because, you know, this, those, those Southern men, they're, uh, they're, they're far more, uh, uh, you know, believable in terms of their sincerity. Another outsider. 
Trump was an outsider. Reagan was an outsider. I mean, look, Reagan was a deep insider, but the way they portrayed him was that he was an outsider. And when Reagan won, when Reagan won, the defeat of Carter and the left and the so-called policies of the left was crushing, crushing. And you go back and you watch and look at the pundits and how, and how they, William F. Buckley and the Capitol Hill gang and, you know, all these people, Charlie Rose, they, 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 were, they were writing the epitaph of the left. It's like, how can they ever come back from this? The people had spoken. And under four years of failed policies with Carter, another setup, Iran-Contra, another setup. Reagan was elected by, I think, one of the largest margins ever. But then all of a sudden, you have Clinton. And the left is back. Although I wouldn't really call the Clintons left, except for their policies on immigration. Uh, let's see who else we have here. George Bush Sr. was a third-term president. Yes, he was. I totally agree, Tom. Neo the Wise. I typed gibberish just to confuse the algo. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, okay. Well, I'm not sure why you want to confuse the algo here. It's just not a, it's, it's not a, uh, it's, it's not an angry algo, except when you want to swear. All right, let's see what else we have. Um, with Project Veritas showing how the school system only hiring woke people, this should show people that people do get put in place. Absolutely, 100%. And the reason why, because the woke people have the training. Um, I talked about James Lindsay and his four-hour Deep, deep, deep dive into social emotional learning. That is the program. There are 13 cities uh, in the United States, in the entire state of Illinois, who have committed to the social emotional learning program, which basically is a gradual brainwashing of your children so that um, they can uh, re reshape their values and have them be the values that their future masters want them to display and not your values or your family's values. And they start cooking these kids, even before they get to kindergarten, they start cooking them in Head Start. And then they just bake them all the way to college so that by the time they get to college, now they're ready for the deep, deep, deep indoctrination and basically saying you're on our team. Now, we talked about this with the Crimmies on Friday and this whole idea of making history, although I'm not sure we really dove into this specifically, but this idea that you're making history is the most seductive component to all of this. The most seductive component. Because if you're on the side of history, you feel like you have a purpose. 
you have a raison d'etre, as the French say, and then you're engaged with uh, a number of other people who feel like they're making history, right? So you, the, they've created this wave, and these people believe that they are in the crest of the wave because they have all of this momentum, right? They have the social momentum, they have the economic momentum, they have the ideological momentum. And by the way, who doesn't love a winner, right? Who doesn't love a winner? Who doesn't want to be on the winning side? So everything, they have been sculpted to believe that everything they're doing is contributing to change, historical change, and winning. This is how they have been baked. And if you get into like the, the definition of language inside of the whole um, SEL world, you'll realize that we're not speaking the same language. Even though we theoretically speak English, th the definitions of the words and the context of the words as they're used are very different between different groups. So that's why we can't have a reasonable conversation because one group has a set idea of what those words mean. And the other group has a different idea of what those words mean. It is, it is really one of the greatest tricks that's ever been played on humanity is the, is the, the language of deception and the deception of language. And that's why we can't have a reasonable conversation. Because the definitions of those terms and of those words do not exist outside of the parameters of the definitions that they've been taught and indoctrinated into. It's, it's like saying the sky is blue, but their entire life they've been told that the sky is red. And, and, and so you, you try to have a conversation with somebody who's convinced that the sky is red. And I mean, so convinced that they'll either walk away from the conversation or they'll die for that. That's where we are. And that's what's happened to our institutions. It is, it is one of the most insidious things. And most people don't even understand it. We can't even agree on the definition of a fucking word. I, I mean, the most basic, you know, premise here would be woman. Try to agree on the, on the definition of a woman. One group has been told that you cannot define what a woman is, that a woman is a social construct. And it becomes very complicated. Very complicated for that definition. Of course, unless it pertains to a woman's right to choose, in which case that definition is very simple and straightforward. And even that is like nuts, right? So they probably have a whole set of parameters that are assigned to that definition. But outside of that, those parameters don't exist. And we wonder why the world is fucking nuts. That is the problem. At the heart of it all, we can't even agree on the same usage and the same verbiage and the same language. It's... Um, Honestly, I don't know what we're, what we're going to do about this because when you look at the programming of the American school system 
and you get into this SEL stuff. And I, I remember when my kid was getting ready to be, uh, he was moving into high school and I would get emails from the superintendent of uh, the Austin Independent Unified School District guy by the name of Paul Cruz. And Paul Cruz was a fucking lefty, a hardcore lefty, progressive lefty. And he was the one that encouraged the kids to walk out of school uh, in support of David Hogg and his little dipshit posse, right? So they, they actually had walkouts. It was ridiculous. I, I, and I, I got an email from my ex-wife. It was like one of those little, you know, knife jabs. She was like, well, your son, your son walked out of school today in protest of uh, guns and in support of the Parkland kids. Aren't you proud of him? I'm like, yeah, I'm proud of him. But maybe you should get the uh, facts straight next time and then walk out. Anyway, this guy sends out an email and he basically says, change is difficult. But in the long run, it's what's best for us. And there's going to be some pain and some difficulty at the beginning. But if we adhere to these principles, at the end of the day, we will have the absolute best learners that the AIUSD could have the privilege of serving, whatever the fuck he said. And he was talking about the implementation of SEL because Austin is like one of 13 cities across the country where they are indoctrinating. So what is SEL? Social emotional learning. And the foundation of it all is they give your kids lots and lots and lots of questionnaires. And what do they do? They compile questions. They compile answers. They compile data on your kid so that they know where your kid stands in terms of principles and values. And then they individually go in and work on each student based on the psychographic profile that each student has. I shit you not. And so the idea is for the school to move them away from the values of their home or values of Christianity or values of free thinking or whatever, and move them into the SEL world, which ultimately dovetails with Freire and this idea that you would identify with the oppressed, that their values are not the normative values. This is what social emotional learning is about. It's about telling children that the values that they have uh, been, uh, that they inherited or been indoctrinated with are false. That these are the real values. And so they begin to move them along this assembly line of brainwashing. It's what it is. It's brainwashing. 
And that's going on across this country. So this is why ultimately when we get into the def definition of words, we're not speaking the same language. We're not. Because those were, it's, it's one of the, when you really boil it down, and I've gotten into this before, right? So in the Freire model, and I'm going to get to Germany and Europe because it's an important topic. So all you folks that are, do listen, and we have a pretty good listenership in Germany, by the way. As I look at the stats, I think Germany's ranked number four or five. So thank you for listening. Um, but when you go back into the whole Freirean model in terms of education, they ditch phonics, totally ditch phonics, because phonics creates what? An individual, an individual that wants to what? Succeed right? Move ahead, go faster. They don't want that. They want everybody to evolve in a very conditioned pace, their pace. So even the smartest kid is basically in the same wave as the not as smartest kid. This is what they're doing, right? It's the really the dumbing down of education, but it's not just dumbing down. It's redefining things. So I used this example before, right? It, it, the example was, if you want to read, what would they do? They being in the free area and system of education, they would show a kid a bus, and then they show the kid another picture of a bus, and Rosa Parks would be on the bus. And then you would say, well, this is a bus. Right. And you might write the letter, you know, BU, the word BUS up on the blackboard. But then you would talk about who's in the bus. What do you see? Well, there's this, there's that, there's this and that. And then, and then you would bring in the fact that that is Rosa Parks. And for the longest period of time, in the South, people had to ride in the back of the bus. And so now you're identifying, you being the student, are identifying the bus with being oppressed. So that I would have a definition of the bus, you know, meaning, you know, the, the bus is the thing that, uh, that you ride in, right, that the city provides transportation for. Like, that's a bus. And there are many versions of the bus. There are tour buses, you know, bands ride on tour buses. They're not always used to convey the oppressed. Am I right? There, there, there are tour buses for people that drive around in the wine country here and they pull into the wineries and they drink their ass off and they get back on the bus. Clearly those are not vehicles of the oppressed, but when they learn how to say bus or they learn how to spell bus, they're learning it with the social and the emotional value associated with the bus, which is Rosa Parks and oppression. So when you talk about a bus, you're not talking about the same fucking bus, right? I mean, there's the bus. I can say it's a bus and they can say it's a bus, but the bus means two different things. Two different things. And that's why we are in such a grave state of affairs our language and the meaning behind the language has been completely hijacked, completely hijacked. 
So we can't even have a discussion. We can't have, and I tried it a couple times on Twitter as an experiment. I started, I started, uh, you know, tweeting with this uber liberal woman about the unfairness of the system. And it was my goal in that exchange to lead her into the Federal Reserve fiat lending and the people that profit from it. That was my goal. And we eventually got to what? Occupy Wall Street, right? And my experience, because I was there on the first week, I, you know, I didn't plan on being there. I, was, I just happened to be in New York and it was going off. So I went there. And when I went there, there was a lot of libertarians that occupy Wall Street, a lot. And they were trying to, and it was, you know, Occupy Wall Street was very, very sophisticated. They were streaming hardcore. They had all these, um, at that time, high-end Macs. And then they had uh, generators, um, you know, and they had servers. So they were pumping out live streams. Very expensive shit. Those were the people behind Occupy Wall Street. That was all Soros money. And they had this thing where you would repeat these words. And it was usually led by a young black woman who would, it was like this chant. It was almost like an incantation and a spell. And I was listening to him like, wow, man, this is really weird. This is really, really weird. I'm not, I'm not, I mean, it felt a lot like mind control to me, but I did notice that there were a lot of libertarians around there and they thought, oh, great. You know, we're here at Wall Street. We get to talk about the Federal Reserve and all these other things. And then I think about two weeks into that, they started to chase them off. And you're like, get out of here. You know, those are crazy ideas. We don't need those ideas. So I brought that up with this woman and she said, no, what they really needed were bathrooms and a place to wash their hands. And I'm like, what the fuck? You know, we're having this conversation. And, and I'm talking about the Federal Reserve, fiat lending, the banks, of course, the Rockefellers, the Rothschilds, the whole system imported from Europe, the yoke placed upon us. And then all of a sudden, she's talking about bathrooms and washing hands. A clear example of not understanding or sharing the same language. It was the weirdest exchange. Like, where the fuck did that come from? Because in her mind, those bathrooms and the place to wash their hands were the thing that was going to serve the oppressed. That's exactly where she was coming from. She identified with the oppressed and she identified with the thing that wasn't there to serve them. I'm identifying with the thing that created the yoke for everybody. It was the weirdest fucking conversation. And then she says, our only hope is to get behind black women. And I hope that you'll join us as an ally, I swear to God, that's how that conversation went. And I'm like, you're fucking crazy. I didn't say that to her, but I'm like, 
I tapped out of that conversation. There's no way, because up to a point, she was liking what I was having to say. You know how they hit the little like button, hit the little hearty heart on Twitter? I'm like, oh, I'm having a bit of an inroad here. I might be able to convert one. Put on the glasses. Are you kidding me? And I had another one, too. It was some dude on Jason Whitlock's feed, and he was just a, just an absolute frozen turd absolute frozen turd and again speaking two different languages that is the biggest trick that's being performed on us we think just because we can speak the same language we can exchange ideas and have an equal opportunity or an equal exchange of ideas and information and that couldn't be further from the truth because the definitions have been changed and woman is only the most egregious example of this Spells, incantations, inversion, the occultation of the uh, quote-unquote culture. Um, let's get into some of the European stuff. Because I think that, let me just check in with you guys real quick here. Taze's here. Uh, let's see. It's Mark says, I told my son to avoid his principal and guidance counselor because they are she-tarded. Absolutely. That's funny. Good to see you, Mark. Uh, Fran says they did that at the corporate controlled hospital I worked at a few years ago. Scrubbies is here. What's going on, Tamara? Uh, another brick in the wall. The new math never has an actual answer. I know, right? Terrible. Terrible. Uh, yeah, I set up a telegram last night for people going to the event. I'll be sending out a newsletter here in the next couple of days. Really confused them by talking about a computer bus. Oh, you would just see them short circuit. You would see the smoke coming out of their ears, Uncle Buck. Let's see. We got anything else? Questionnaires could be tracked under the guise of anonymous. So one of the things that James Lindsay talks about, we will get to Europe, is this thing called the virtual friend. You can actually download it. It's the virtual friend. And apparently it's something that they're developing for schools. So you can have a virtual friend and talk to your virtual friend on the fucking phone. And then you can tell your virtual friend all your little secrets and all your fears and what your mommy and daddy are doing. And the virtual friend will be there for you. Meanwhile, the virtual friend is shuttling off the information to the people that are keeping a profile on you and knowing exactly what you're about, where your, uh, your psychological microfractures are, and going right in there and addressing them as if they know you. They know you better than your parents know you. Isn't that interesting? All right. Let's talk about uh, Germany here. Shit is going down in Germany. I have some bookmarks. Uh, let's see.
Oh, I got into this thing about Alex Smith, I think. Interesting. Okay, let me get into my bookmarks. Where are they? Give me a second here. Where are my bookmarks? Uh, by the way, Jeanette is up to $8,700. So she's almost there. And I think she's about ready to uh, go to court. I'm going to try to go um, to her... Uh, here we go to the trial. Oh, that's funny shit. Okay. What do I want to do? Where do I want to go? I got to show you this. And then we're going to get into the Germany stuff. Apparently, Kathy Hockle has banned the sale of ammo in New York. You got to pass. You got to pass a a uh, some kind of a personality test. That's at the Cabela's, and they have the ammo taped off at the Cabela's. Of course, Paul Singer owns Cabela's, so he's just going to play right along with this shit. Look at that, New York. That's your governor. We are not a country anymore. We are not a country. We are a series of balkanized states. And that should give you a clear example. Clear example. Okay. Uh, let's get into the feed. Hold on a second. What do you guys think of uh, Alex Stein? What do you think of Alex Stein? A lot of people like Alex Stein. I have, you know, when I watch Alex Stein, here's my, here, here's my thoughts on Alex Stein. First of all, I don't think he's that funny. I'm just being honest. His thing with uh, AOC was very funny. That was funny. I don't think he's that funny. Um, I think he's very smart. And now he's being promoted as like the go-to voice for truth very quickly. I'm just curious as to what you think about Alex Stone, Alex Stein, another Stein. One Alex descends, it's like a testicle. One Alex descends while another Alex rises. Wait, give me a second here. Uh, let's see. Da, 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 da. Here we go.
So this is uh, from a uh, memo, Euromato, Metals at the Heart of Europe. Let's read this memo. To President of the European Commission, Ursula von der Leyen, the... Uh, the housewife and, and ancestor of the largest slave-owning family in the history of the uh, United States, North America, President of the European Parliament, um, Roberta Metzola, and President of the European Council, Charles Michel. And then we got the CCs, Executive Vice President of France, Timmermans, Margaret Vestager, uh, Valdez Dombrovskis, Commissioners Thierry Breton, Paolo Gentiloni, Ms. Kadri Simpson. You're, and all these people are just, they're just lapdogs. They're just, they're, they're just lapdogs. They're just figureheads. They don't have any real power, right? Their power comes to people, comes to them from people above them who vest them with power. Without them, they're nothing. These people have no power. I'm not even sure they're elected. They're appointed. Europe's non-ferrous metal producers call for an emergency EU action to prevent permanent deindustrialization from spiraling electricity and gas prices. So essentially, they're sending out this memo. It's like, look, if you don't solve this energy thing, we're not going to be able to produce anything. Which means the entire economy of Europe will be destroyed. This is the goal, by the way. When they put the EU together, it, it, and I've talked about this before, they did not put the EU together so that they can have seamless trade deals amongst the European nations, right? It was like a one-size-fits-all. Hey, we're all going to do business with each other. We're all going to have the same currency. We're all going to have the same rates. We're not going to have to change currencies to do business, you know, Italy has one rate for this one. And it even goes into music. Like different countries had different things going on with music. And when the European Union came in, it was like, okay, now we have, you know, one size fits all for every single country. Now, I'm not sure how that exists for distribution rights, but this is why the EU was created. So that they could have more of a model of the U.S. where, you know, in, here in the U.S. until recently, where apparently now uh, in Florida, if you use an Airbnb uh, that uh, Ron DeSantis, uh, if, you, if, you, if you work for the government of Florida and you use an Airbnb for travel, you will not get credit for it because Airbnb is not playing nice with uh, Israel. Right or uh, California, who for forbade forbids elected officials to fly to Texas and do business with Texas. Yeah, that's where we are now. We didn't used to be that way, but the European Union aspired to be like that. Let's read this memo, uh, dear Ms. President von der Leyen, von der Leyen, dear Ms. President Metzola, dear Mr. President Michel. 
Ahead of Friday's emergency summit, the business leaders of Europe's non-ferrous metals industry are writing together to raise the alarm about Europe's worsening energy crisis and its existential threat to our future. I don't think it's an existential threat. Like if you use the word existential, existential would mean somewhere out there and undefined. No, it is not existential. It is real. It is a real threat. This is not some kind of, you know, Jean-Paul Sartre egregore floating around and descending upon Europe. No, it's a real fucking threat. It is not existential. Our sector has already been forced to make unprecedented curtailments in the last 12 months. We are deeply concerned that the winter ahead could deliver a decisive blow to many of our operations. And we call on EU and member state leaders to take emergency action to preserve their strategic electricity-intensive industries and prevent permanent job losses. All right, so there's a real problem here. And one of the problems is that they don't give a fuck. You did not elect those people, right? You didn't elect them. At least in this country where we have corruption and graft, public officials take money from the oil companies well, they'll, they'll take money from whatever semblance of the steel companies there are. They'll take money from tech. So in many cases, they have to do their bidding because they took money from them, right? To get elected. It's, it's the worst kind of representation in a lot of ways. But in a weird way, it is still, still some form of representation. And if they don't do anything for the money they've taken... Well, they're not going to get the money again for the second go-round. And guess what? They'll fund their opponent. So in some ways, they're forced to do something. Even if it's against their own best interest, and even if it's against their constituents' interest. In Europe, they don't have that. Von der Leyen was not elected. She was appointed. She does not give a fuck. She, she has no deals in place with people who, who were um, donors to her campaign. She could care less. A letter like that, it, you know what that is? That's toilet paper. They will wipe their ass. They'll print that out and they'll wipe their ass with it. So wh what is Europe going to do now? Now, they could go on strike. They could go on strike, and that, that could be where this is headed. But isn't that what the, what the EU wants, or doesn't that, isn't that what the World Economic Forum wants? Don't they want them to go on strike? Don't they want them to grind it, grind it to a halt? Like, they totally fucked this thing up. And they brought that Gazprom line right into Europe, Russia, fairly cheap, affordable, accessible energy. They figured out how to get into the abiotic oil production. They knew a long time ago, this shit is there all the time. All we got to do is just tap into it and we'll pump it. We'll set up a line. We'll send it to Europe, right? Well, now what? That one line is now shut down and Europe is trembling over the fact that they're facing a winter where it is 
looking like a fucking catastrophe. Number one, the energy they do get is going to be really expensive. It's going to price small businesses out of the market. They're going to obliterate small businesses in Europe. They're going to absolutely cripple the average household across Europe. They're going to bring that country, that continent, maybe a little bit less so with the UK, but the UK is pretty fucked too. I'm sorry. They're going to bring everything to a grinding halt. Yesterday I talked about um, how they're, they're not producing blue dot. The ad blue, right? The shit that they put into diesel. They're not producing that in Germany anymore. Nope, we're not doing it. So it means no diesel for cars and no diesel for trucks. And then throw the other thing on top. Europe's in big trouble. And on top of that, you have an endless wave of immigrants that they've been shipping into Europe constantly, constantly since what? 2008, 2009, right? Really cranking up in the 2010s. It's been endless, endless. I, I read a story yesterday. This is a trigger alert, by the way. It's a total trigger alert. So if you are squeamish, you may just want to turn your volume down a little bit here. And I'll raise my hand when I'm done with the story. England. This woman, she's English. What does she do? She hooks up with a immigrant. And what happens? She gets pregnant. He doesn't want her to have the kid. She won't get an abortion. Her mother finds her in a dumpster with her head missing. Her head's cut off. That's what you're dealing with. That's what you're dealing with in England. That's what you're dealing with in Europe. And that's just the random factor. I'm not even talking about the organized factor. The organized factor is the one that Europeans really need to pay attention to. And I talked about this a long time ago. Well, no, I think I talked about last week before. I remember reading this prophecy about how Islam was going to conquer Europe on rafts. And I thought to myself, well, that's fucking silly. They're just going to go, you know, from Afghanistan or Iraq or Saudi Arabia or Algeria or whatever, right? In their little raft armada. Here we come. And I thought it was silly. I didn't realize at the time that those rafts would be used under the guise of crisis and immigration. And that's exactly what's happened to Europe. They're under attack. Europe is, it's the fall of the West. We're, we're watching it right before our eyes. And, you know, 
again, I think Germany is the epicenter of this. I went back, I went and I looked at Germany's charts astrologically and uh, they're interesting. Maybe we get a little astrology here since we're talking about Germany. Okay. All right, there are um, three different charts. There are about four different charts for Germany. And they're, they're, they're both very, very interesting. So this is from Astro Weekly. And if you're listening, I'm going to try to describe them. Um, the first chart is the mundane chart of the German Empire, uh, which began with William I on January 18th, uh, 1871. And they declared this at Versailles. And at that point, uh, Germany is a Capricorn country with Venus and Aquarius and Mercury and Capricorn. Uh, Gemini will play a role, pretty prominent role in all these charts. Gemini rising, Jupiter in Gemini first house. So what's interesting about that, right, This because this is really the first chart. That basically, this is a portent of Germany becoming two countries, which it does become, you'll see in a minute, right? So then we move forward. And this is the um, same chart, but a different ascendant. I think this one is probably better. Now we have the Weimar Republic chart. And by that time, Germany goes from being a Capricorn country to an Aquarian country. Uh, and under the, you know, the, this is post-World War I, where the Weimar Republic is the 24-7 nonstop cabaret. Uh, the Germans have descended into moral despair, economic despair. And it's very Aquarian. This is also where we begin to see the formation of, um, what is it? The, not, uh, not the Frankfurt Group, but uh, it'll, it'll come to me. Uh, the the critical the critical race guys, Max Horkheimer, all those characters, right? Um, this is when they become prominent, and with Aquarius, Aquarius is is really uh, weird, right? It's a I like Aquarius. Don't get me wrong, but during that time in Germany, you know, you have Sun Saturn in the Weimar Republic. And ultimately, what are they looking for? They're looking for a Sun-Saturn figure who will emerge. And that, that figure will be Hitler. And of course, we know that um, Hitler is a, a, a Taurus. So we have Chiron here, a 23 Taurus, Taurus rising. And they'll have a, a Taurus president, ultimately, or Taurus prime minister, the Führer, uh, emerge, right? So uh, Gemini... Uh, not playing too much of a role here in this chart. Uh, we do have the uh, true node in Pisces in the 11th house. And things get very messy under the Weimar Republic. Very, very messy, including uh, the leadership. There's actual, there's an actual struggle, a tug of war for leadership, especially as the um, social Democrats are coming into power. And then you can even see down here, like with Neptune and Mars and Jupiter, you know, they're all in Virgo. And then the South Node is in Virgo. 
So in Virgo, we, you know, the idea is purity, right? This is not very pure. In fact, it's anti-purity and that's really, but out of this comes this idea of purity. You know, they go from the filth of the Weimar Republic to of the cleansing that takes place during the Third Reich. And you can see it here in this chart. In a lot of ways, it's a very reactionary chart. But then we get to the other chart, which is the Federal Republic Proclamation, uh, 23rd May, uh, 1949, at 444. Interesting numbers. So here, Gemini arises again. Sun in Gemini, Mercury in Gemini, Venus in Gemini. And this will actually wind up leading to the formation of two, again, two Germanys, East and West, right? So it's kind of baked in the chart here. And we have Mars uh, in Taurus. Of course, we know that Hitler was a Taurus. And the true node in Gemini, which is really just a few degrees off of Hitler's sun. So true node in Aries. And of course, they're you know, trumpeting and, and pumping up the Aryan race. Well, it's a true note in Gemini. See how astrology works? It's pretty, pretty straightforward in a lot of ways. But now we have this Mars transit going on. And ever since Mars went into Gemini, things have gotten very agitated in Germany based on this chart. And I think this chart's an important chart. Now we'll go back to another chart. Uh, we'll go forward to another chart, which is, when the two Germanys become one again, the unification chart. But this is a serious chart with all this Gemini. And even with Uranus, right? Transiting Uranus is on the natal Mars of this chart. So it's unstable. And we've got a square with Saturn going on. And in this chart, there's a Saturn-Saturn opposition. To me, this chart is like the tabula rasa of Germany. And you can see what's going on astrologically based on, on this chart. Now, if we move into the unification chart, you know, we have instead of Gemini, well, we still have Gemini, by the way, Mars and Gemini, see that? So Germany with the reunification chart is going through its Mars return, which will happen in the next couple of weeks. But now we see all this, all this Libra, right? So, the two countries are theoretically coming back together and hopefully creating balance between the East and the West, which is kind of interesting. Jupiter and Leo on the Ascendant, which I really like, but now we've got Pluto in Scorpio squaring Jupiter. And what do we think about with Pluto? We think about power, we think about energy, and it's in the fourth house. And right now they're in a crisis. Where's Uranus on the other side? in Taurus, right? Uranus, Pluto opposition. Saturn over here. Aquarius, where is it? Right here, right? True node in Aquarius, but Saturn is going to be right about there, right? Retrogrades to, if I'm not mistaken, 19. Squaring Pluto and not quite uh, in opposition with, well, what do we have here? Four degrees, 22 minutes on the Ascendant. And then all this Capricorn. This is right around the same time uh, Russia becomes Russia again. Well, four years later, 1994. Some of the same elements are in play. Uh, but, I, but you just take a look at this chart, right? 
Mercury and Virgo. So we have a Neptune opposition with Mercury and Virgo in the third house, which is travel and moving around, right? Travel and moving around. And they got a Neptune opposition in Pisces. So we can look at the two charts and I think we can make the case astrologically just with Germany alone. Germany's in trouble, right? And this whole thing with Pisces and Neptune and Pisces, that's fuel. Like Neptune and Pisces rules fuel, gas, liquid gas, um, you know, propane gas, right? Kerosene. Now charcoal is a little bit different. Uh, charcoal, charcoal to me is more scorpionic, right? It comes from the earth. They're able to have an alchemical reaction with charcoal, think or coal, right? Coal. It's a little bit different, but all the liquid stuff, that's all Piscean. So when you go back and you look at this with the latest chart, and I'll show you guys right here, just look at the latest chart. The reunified Germany has Mercury at 25 Pisces, I was talking about 25 Virgo in the third house, moving around. And then over here, right, what do we have? We got the opposition. We got the opposition right there in Pisces. So the entire continent of Europe is going through a Piscean crisis. And even this idea with the immigrants is very Piscean. Oh, oh, let's tap into our compassion. What would Jesus do? He would take these people in. And look, I don't have a, we're all trying to figure shit out in this domain, in this realm. All right. We're, and even the so-called immigrants, right? They're trying to figure shit out in their own way. I'm not giving them a pass, by the way. But this is one of the worst fucking things Europe could have done. One of the worst. They were getting paid. They were getting paid to take these people in. People were making money and looking the other way. They didn't care. Same thing's going on here in this country. We're not immune to it. We're not immune to it at all. So this is a problem. And this is one of the, you know, this is, it's a Neptunian crisis. It's a Plutonian crisis, and they want to move everybody into the new system. And they will take a wrecking ball to Europe. They'll take a wrecking ball to it. They're, they're already in the process of doing that. And if you're a European and you're listening to this show, you know, I know my good friend David has said that uh, you need to leave. I don't know where you're going to go, honestly. I mean, you could come here. Maybe you should go to Africa. Why don't you go to Africa? Take over the places that the people are leaving. Maybe that might be a, a good exchange. But in, uh, in, in the instance that you can't do that, then you, this is a time, right? Crises bring people together. And we're seeing it in Germany. The protests are getting, the protests are bringing the left and the right together in Germany, which has not been seen before. So that happens with the crisis. And, you know, I, I do have faith in the German people. I have faith in the European people. I do, you know, 
we, we all share blood. We're descendants. Like my, you know, somewhere over there, that's where, you know, in this meat suit, that's where the genetic, you know, code and genetic chain came from in this meat suit, right? So we're all descended, at least not all of us, but a lot of us are descended from that group of people. And um, you're going to see what you're going to see what you're about. And then ultimately, we're all going to see what we're about. It's not something that's just going to be located in one area. But I'm telling you, this is a war. There's a war going on. Russia's involved in the war. And they're using fuel now. And they're blaming the West. They're like, you put the sanctions on us. Take them off and you get the fuel back. They won't do that. The West is really engaged in a genocidal action against its own people in Europe. This is exactly what's happening. I wish there was an easier answer here for dealing with what's coming, but I can't, you know, short of an act of God, um, you, you know, we're going we're gonna to have to find out who we are. Everybody. In a time of crisis, character is either revealed or lack of character is revealed. And um, I have a lot of faith in the European people. And I think you guys, if you can keep your shit together, right? You're going to have to weather this storm literally and figuratively. And uh, we're all pulling for you. And honestly, in this country, we're not that far behind. The only thing that keeps us at bay with the quote unquote powers that be is I think we're the citizenry of the United States is like the 11th most armed army on the planet or some shit like that. Now, of course, you know, we don't stand a chance against an F-15. But um, up till now, it's been a bit of an equalizer. Unless, of course, you're living in upstate New York or New York in general, where apparently you have to uh, put all of your social media posts on display before um, the tyrant, Caesar, Caesar Hopple, will allow you to buy ammo, which, by the way, is your right based on the uh, Second Amendment. It is your right. But apparently, we're no longer a country anymore. All right. We'll be back tomorrow. Thanks for being here. I don't want to cut out and have an abrupt ending. So I'm ending now. And I'd love to leave you with something positive. And uh, to the best of my ability, I do believe that we are greater than the sum of our parts, meaning you are greater than the sum of your parts. Together, we're greater than the sum of our parts. And when we align with the purpose of God, and it's not that hard, when we align with the purpose of God, we are much stronger together with that than not. So do your best every day to make that alignment, make that connection. All right, I'm out of here. 
Take care. Use your head in order to show what's real. Your heart to stand to open what's possible. I am Robert Phoenix, broadcasting to you live from Yataria. Bye for now.